Welcome, welcome. You're listening to the Drink a Little podcast, where we talk about exploring the world of wine and spirits while not letting it take over your life. My name is Kelly Doherty. I'm a joyful child of God and a certified life coach. I'm also a wine educator and a wine and spirits brand designer. I'll show you how you can navigate your relationship with alcohol and how that mindset spills over into the rest of your life. We'll learn about the world of wine and spirits together, all while bolstering your confidence that you can have boundaries around alcohol and live your most amazing life. Today, we are going to do a little tasting and explore the Don Benigno Amontillado Sherry. And I just love the story behind this fortified wine. And if you've heard of Amontillado, it's probably because it's in the title of a famous short story by Edgar Allan Poe called The Cask of Amontillado. So very appropriate for the creepy October time of year when I'm recording this. So this is just a side story, but it um, is one that's interesting to share because it doesn't have a resolution like a lot of Poe stories. But the story goes that our main character tricks a wine or sherry expert into coming down into a scary dungeon in order to give his opinion on this Amontillado. And this expert is saying, you know, I will tell you whether it is a is a sherry or it is an Amontillado, which is really weird because an Amontillado is just a style of sherry, but probably not the most important point in the story. So, um, like, so, so like Edgar Allan Poe, the main character gets the wine guy into the cellar and actually shackles him to the wall and starts to just like a mason calmly build a wall that closes him in. He never says why. It does imply that there's like some sort of revenge to be exacted, but it doesn't say what the deal is. So we're left to wonder why. Wow. Thank you for that. And I just wanted to acknowledge that if you had heard this word, that may be why. And please don't wall up any wine experts, no matter what their opinions may be. So that's a fascinating side story, not the point of where we're going today, but I did want to, I didn't want you to miss out on the creepiness of that. So Sherry is one of the most complicated wines in the world to make, and I'm going to super oversimplify this for the sake of myself today. It uses something called the Solera system, where they have different levels of barrels at uh, varying ages. And they take a fraction of one age and blend it into the older ages. And this blending is done level by level until there's a level where things are the final blend and then it's bottled. So it gives them a very consistent taste and style over time. So in five years, if I go get the same brand, the same style of sherry, it will taste the same, which is very different than a lot of other wines that fluctuate in style with the weather in the vineyard or purposefully fluctuate in style with a different blend for each vintage. So the other thing about sherry, it is higher in alcohol than normal wine. This one is 17.5 and most of your shelf wines are 12 to 15% alcohol. And sherry actually has that grandma, grandpa, 
connotation to it. But that has really changed in the last few years. People are making cocktails with it. And there are people that are really into sherry. So this is not your grandmother's sherry anymore. Even though the label may have been designed during that time. So I'm not a wine snob, I think. Things we're tasting on here range from very approachable, very inexpensive to somewhat expensive, but we're not trying to seek things out that no one else can get. And there's no judgment of things along all those price points because they all have a different place in the wine world. So I don't think I'm a wine snob, but I am a label snob. So just good to know, good to know. And this label of this sherry does not look like a lot of thought was put into it. And sometimes there's labels that are so simple and elegant that it's actually very hard to achieve to be able to edit yourself down enough to be that elegant. This is also not one of those. I, I've i got the actual picture on my Instagram and in the YouTube version of this podcast if you want to see it visually. But just picture a mustard yellow front label with black writing. And there's a stripe of red at the top and a stripe of red at the bottom with yellow letters. So it's kind of got a red and yellow vibe McDonald's thing going on. It's actually very eye-catching on the shelf. That's why McDonald's has those colors. Um, it did catch my eye, uh, but it's it's one of those things that I think, you know, it's so ugly, it's it's kind of cute. So... You do have to respect a brand that's been around for a couple hundred years. This is um, since 1821. All right. Respect. So why would they change a thing? Why would they rebrand? I get it, but I had to comment on it. So because of this idea that this is your grandmother's little nip before bedtime or nip before dinner, I have never had sherry until today. And this is a huge field of products that has three different types of sherries, three different styles, and then three that are dry, and then three different styles that are sweet sherries or cream sherries. So this one today is actually a dry sherry. And until today, I've never had one. So this is a gamble because I knew what I wanted to talk about, but I've never had the product. So I'm reading from the bottle here, and it says it's a perfect aperitif, so before dinner, serve with maybe a soup or a mushroom dish, ham or turkey. So those are their recommendations. Good to know. And I am going to share my glass. So because this is higher alcohol, I'm not putting it in a regular wine tasting glass. I actually put this in a little whiskey Glencairn snifter. So you can drink it in whatever you like. And there are little tiny sherry glasses. But um, the reason I got this is because it actually has a wide bowl at the bottom. And it gives you a wide surface area to swirl. And then it tapers in quite dramatically. So those esters, those Flavor aromas are trapped at the top of the glass where you're going to put your nose. So let's give it a swirl and a taste. Mm. 
I might, I might be in love. This, this is divine. And it's a heavier body than a regular wine. There's something really comforting about that. It's really rich with this amber color and it's got a nutty character, probably let's say hazelnut. Yeah. And what really surprised me on the palette was there's kind of a citrus character on the back end of it, more like a lemon that's been caramelized. So it's got that grill caramelized richness, but um, still a little bit of freshness. This is just gorgeous. All labels aside, this is a beautiful sherry. Please explore sherries. I know I am going to do that now and have good reason to do it now. So the great thing about fortified products is that they can be open longer. So with this being higher alcohol, not wanting to drink a lot at a time, and this this type of sherry can probably be on the shelf for one to two months. As long as it's in a dark, cool location, your kitchen is not a great place for any wine to be stored. Temperature fluctuations don't do anything good for wines, and you don't have to be in a dungeon or in a wine cellar either. But just be mindful of any temperature fluctuations, vibrations, or sunshine exposure when you're storing any wine. So this is divine, and I'm I'm thankful that I can go back and have a bit later in a couple weeks, and maybe it's a perfect drink for drink a little. <laughs> I think this episode is so aptly timed after last week's um, judgment episode. Today, I want to talk about labels. I know I've talked about these people's McDonald's label, but I want to talk about labels outside of the wine world. And just those labels in our personal lives where we're labeling things as good or bad for ourselves. And if you're trying to change your relationship with alcohol, your drinking habits, like maybe you're thinking you should start by labeling something you consume as quote unquote bad. And it seems like that's the right thing to do. I'm being good. But the moment you label something as bad, you fear it. You kind of put up that wall against it. You also start to think about it a lot more, which creates additional stress and anxiety that none of us need. You may even want it more than you wanted it before because it feels off limits. When you say something is bad, like there's some rebel in all of our personalities where if you tell us we can't do something, then that's really the thing we're going to do just because you told us you can't do it. So it doesn't matter if it's someone outside of us telling us not to do something or if it's us telling us not to do something. We have that little rebel where, you know, it feels off limits. So we're going to do that anyways. Think about it with a cookie. Some people say cookies are bad and sure you can find some evidence for that. But what it really does is it pits you against the thing, leaving you somewhat powerless. You gave all your power to the cookie. And obviously we know that eating a whole bag of Oreos is not healthy. But that doesn't mean that cookies need to have a quote-unquote label that's bad. 
And for sure, it doesn't mean that you ate the whole bag of Oreos and you are a bad person. Some people get locked up in thinking they themselves are bad because of a thing they've consumed. And when we label that thing, the cookie, the wine, as bad, we're actually less present when we do consume it. We're less apt to consume it mindfully because we're not thinking about what's going on right now. We're thinking about how much we're going to judge ourselves later. So fun. Um, If you want to label your drinking as quote unquote bad, then you might be trying to be good all week so you can go out and be bad. And that bad later in the week ends up in binging. And that's just not helpful. You're restricting yourself and then you're overdoing. You beat yourself up possibly and the cycle repeats. All of this just from those words, good and bad, and attaching meaning and morality to them. So if you want to take a look at cleaning that up, notice if you are labeling drinks or food or anything external as good or bad and using that label against yourself. Look at those moments when you're labeling and see what you're thinking. It might be a habit you've created over the years that needs to be unwound. So the first thing to unwind is noticing when it comes up for you. Noticing what you say to yourself after you say this is bad. Maybe you're saying to yourself, I can't control myself around alcohol. And one step can be shifting to a more empowering internal idea of I am in control of my choices. So going from I can't control myself around alcohol to I am in control of my choices. And then working on not labeling those choices actually brings you to a freer state of being where you do make choices that are the best thing for your body at the time. Also notice if things come up for you like, I've been so good that I deserve this. It's also a morality judgment. Define what you think you and your body deserve with or without alcohol. Know that you are amazing no matter what's going on outside of you. And you can play with it. You know, try taking labels off of everything. Have fun with it. What would the world of wine be without labels? Would, I don't know, turtles be turtles if they didn't label them that? I don't know, but I think we can look at things differently if we turn off those labels for a moment and relook at something with fresh eyes. We take up so much time and anxious energy in labeling things in ways that actually disempower us. Go ahead and use any label you want, but check in and see if you're using it in a way that helps you grow and get to where you want to be. Just some food for thought this week. Get out of your head. Try some new things, my friends. Try a little bit of sherry and let me know what you think. That's what I have for you this week. And next week, we're tasting a blend out of Spain called kind of wild and it's organic tempranillo garnacha. So I will see you then my kind of wild friends. And if you're working on dropping labels so you can feel freer, I do 
teach to a deeper level. I have a one-on-one coaching program tailored to your needs where we cover how to stop over drinking, how to love yourself for all the right reasons, and emotional well-being. Go to kellydoherty.com forward slash cheers to learn more. I don't know if that's a forward slash or backslash, but you know what I mean. K-E-L-L-Y-D-O-H-E-R-T-Y dot com slash cheers.